Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Yesterday, we released an episode with Natalie and Brandon. Brandon is 25 years older than Natalie, and we ended that episode asking Natalie what she would do if Brandon got sick or passed away before she did. This week, we're actually bringing you two episodes, and today you're going to hear from Carol and John. Carol and John are also in an age gap marriage. Carol is 25 and John's 51. We're bringing you their story because they're facing John's mortality. In 2014, John was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I'm on the back stretch of of a year that they said uh, that I had left. They gave, they gave me 12 months to live about seven or eight months ago. So whether or not I'll be here in the next few months, who knows? Uh, I might be. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Carol and John met at a networking event in San Antonio. John was working as a new home sales agent, and Carol was an executive assistant at a big corporation. She was also going to college for business administration at the same time. John was in his late 40s. Carol was in her very early 20s. They immediately clicked. They talked about everything but work, art, music, theater. They found they had so many things in common. Yeah, both of us are pretty random individuals, and uh, where I'm concerned, my thoughts are always uh, crazy all over the board, and anybody that can keep up with my thought process, uh, that's that's pretty good in my mind's eye, and Carol's able to do that. She's able to anticipate me where other people have never been able to kind of anticipate my random chaotic thinking patterns. We're opposite. He's very extroverted. I'm introverted. He had so much energy. He still has so much energy. I've never met somebody who could be happy, you know, very just full of life every second. Nothing that you could ever say to him could get him mad, could get him to frown, could get him to say anything negative. He's just such a happy person. Their relationship moved fast. John had been married before. He already had a son. 
he wasn't actually looking for something. But then he met Carol and all that changed. Carol came from a really strict upbringing and she told John that her mother wasn't going to be happy about their relationship. That kind of forced me to speed things along on the permanent side. The thought about, well, you know, I might need to seal the deal here and ask this girl to get married. She kind of fed that along to me, if you would. We pretty much were dating for six months and then we were yeah. we were married. <laughs> yeah, we were we were single one day, married the next, all within a six month period. It was pretty fast. Carol, did you ever think you were gonna marry someone so much older than you? I started working, you know, for corporations when I was seventeen. So I was, you know, hanging out with executives. So I was very much an adult at that time and I was also going to school full time. The people that were my age, I just couldn't find a lot in common with. I think that people my age, you know, at that point, they still want to have fun and they're still figuring themselves out. So I knew that it was had to be somebody who was part of the world that I was in, somebody who was a little bit, you know, had more goals and was more serious about life and trying to settle down and stuff. I've always seen my wife as being an older soul. So I didn't see her as being 21, 22-ish. And I never saw myself being in my late 40s either. I always have lived life like a much younger person. One night, John made a reservation at this fancy restaurant called Silo. He got there first, and he told the maitre d' and some of the servers that he was going to propose. I wanted it to be special, so I worked with them. And they arranged flowers and they arranged a different menu from what was being set up for the regular evening, a special spot in the restaurant. It's a really, really uh, beautiful place, just a, just a gorgeous restaurant. I think the thing that kind of gave it away was prior to us eating out, he was very insistent that we had to go to the nail salon to get our nails done, which is very odd because we've never done it. So I think that kind of gave it away because I was like, why are you so uh, concerned about me getting my nails done? So I was just kind of waiting the whole time. I was like, he's going to propose. I'm just waiting for him to go. It was fun to watch him freak out and turn red and uh, just kind of like stutter all over the place. He's very, very nervous. I was perspiring and I don't normally perspire. I had to get up a couple of times to go to the bathroom to to kind of dry myself off. That's how nervous I was. And then one of the times that I came back, I stopped by our table and I got down on my knee and I kind of positioned Carol's chair kind of out, facing just the floor. And that's kind of where I was because I was down on one knee at that point. And then all these people in the restaurant, they all stood up and they started watching because they knew what was going on. And uh, the waiter that we always had, uh, he had brought me my ring. They had it in the kitchen. And, uh, and of course, I asked her to marry me right then and there. And uh, then a whole bunch of people decided they were going to pay for my meal. They weren't going to let me pay for it. The people who were offering were men who knew the cost of a ring. And they were like, we know you're going to be eating ramen for the next few months. Yeah. So here, we'll help you out. They got a place together right away. It was completely empty. No furniture, not even a mattress. And so one night they were just sitting there in their empty apartment. And we're just sitting there and we're like, well, how do we want to get married? Let's just, let's get married. We want to be with each other forever. Let's start now. Yeah, and that's pretty much how it happened. 
we went downtown. We uh, let her mother know, and her mother met us downtown. I had a buddy of mine there, and we found a judge that was able to uh, preside over a marriage, and uh, we went and got married. Did you guys write your own vows? Yes, we did write our own vows, but that was a complete failure. We wrote vows, but I don't think that either of us read what we wrote. I know I didn't. I just improvised it. It was happening so fast, and I just started jibber-jabbering. Later on, once we walked out of there, he said, you know, just know that we're going to have a wedding later on. It's going to be a vow renewal, and we'll be able to read our vows So we did that with all of our families. And it was basically more for our families because we understood that we kind of took away that moment for them to see us getting married. Because our actual wedding was very quick. One minute we were single, the next we walked out of the court area and we were married. Their age difference is definitely noticeable. And people comment on it. A lot. It did come up every time we were out because there is a stigma out there in society, and we encounter it every single day. Yeah, we'll go to a restaurant and we'll sit down and somebody behind my husband or people walking by would be um, looking at my husband and, you know, they'll say really loud, I wonder if his wife knows where he's at. And my husband will have to stand up and be like, yeah, this is my wife if you want to meet her. Like, she's right here. I'm not a shy individual at all. They just assume that, you know, I must be a mistress or, you know, they just look at the situation all wrong. They do. And I can't tell you the amount of times that that we're out and eating or whatever. It's usually eating. And, you know, one of our servers will ask what my daughter's having to eat tonight. And I'm like, well, you know what? I really don't know because I don't have a daughter. But if you're referring to my wife, we get that a lot. But here's the thing. Neither of them really cares that much. They were so happy and madly in love and excited to do all the things that newly married couples do. Go on a honeymoon. Decorate their house. Start having a family. And then, just four months after they got married... John started feeling sick. Which is really weird for me because I'm never sick. It was Carol who convinced him to go to the doctor. And I went and paid for my visit and uh, he ran a checkup on me and I got home after my visit with him. Called us at midnight. He called us at about midnight and, and told me that I needed to go to the hospital. Stage four, gastrointestinal cancer. It's a, it's a very aggressive cancer. I don't know how else to explain it. It's, a, it's not pancreatic cancer, but it's just as bad. And the numbers for surviving it are just as bad. So that's what I'm dealing with. We didn't get to enjoy very many three months of love, bliss, and happiness. I think it was probably three to four months tops that we were living married that I was given the news. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. 
It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. John and Carol had only been married for four months before he found out he had stage four gastrointestinal cancer. In the blink of an eye, everything they had planned for their new lives together completely changed. It's a lot of responsibility to take care of somebody or be with somebody who has a critical illness because it just changes your whole dynamic and it's hard to keep, you know, the marriage fresh and to not argue and to still love each other in a situation where it brings the worst out of people. I think that the biggest change uh, that the cancer put was the uncertainty of life ahead. After we were married, everything was fantastic. Every day was brand new. You don't look at your time of day split up between, well, you know, what time do I take this medication? I take eight or nine medications daily now, and I take them all at different times. So I'm constantly going through a schedule of pill taking. I didn't have to do that when we first got married. I need to wonder where where I was going to go with my wife today, not what pill do I have to take today. Or I can't go to the bathroom right today. Or do I have to get my wife to pull me up out of the tub because I can't get out of the tub today? I never had those problems. My relationship, unfortunately, has moved from loving my wife to depending on my wife. And that's the ugliest part of this whole thing is that cancer kind of stole the love that I had for my wife. She went from being my love to being my caretaker. And that's the biggest change for me. I think that there's there's anger towards everything because cancer is not a physical thing. So there's all this anger because we're like, oh, why did this happen to us? And there's nowhere to put it. So sometimes, you know, we'll be on Facebook, on social media, our friends will come over, they'll show us their brand new baby. And then we just kind of feel like resentment. You know, people's lives are moving on. Me and my husband are not able to have um, a child. We know it's not fair, but it's natural. I think we accept that it's natural. People uh, sometimes complain about things that were like, that's not even a big issue. Like, you're okay. Your spouse is in a healthy condition. You you guys are going to be okay. We got a call from her sister the other day, and she's newly married. And she was complaining about such a nothing problem. I mean, it was a nothing problem between her and her husband. And I thought, my goodness gracious, if only we could have those kind of problems and not the problems that we face. Uh, I don't know that a lot of couples could have made it through this point like Carol and I. I think if anybody ever wondered uh, about our relationship, they're, they're not wondering anymore. The illness looming over them changes every single interaction that they have with each other. Sometimes I'll say something to my husband because I'm mad and I'm frustrated. And it could be something like, you never pick up your socks or something very serious or something very dumb that I say. And my husband will do the same with me. But it only takes me about five minutes to realize what I said. And I apologize because 
And he does the same too, because he realizes, I don't want this to be the last thing that we said to each other. Yeah, we don't, we don't fight with each other very much. And when we do, we, we get things straight really quick. And that's because we do know what uh, the future holds. And it doesn't look that great. It's not his fault he had cancer. I never said it, but I think it got bottled up. So I would snap over small things because he would be asking me, hey, can you get me another cup of milk? And I would just kind of feel like, okay, like you're, you're just, I feel like you're taking, taking, taking. And I think it took me sitting down with him and just kind of like vomiting my feelings to him for him to understand. And I think that's what helped. I don't think that he had to do anything different. I just needed him to to say that he understood. And what was that conversation like? Where you finally told him what you needed? I had come home from work and we were having a good day. So I I think that's when I brought up the conversation because he physically was having, you know, what we call a good day. He was able to eat, to not throw up his food, to, you know, watch TV. and, And it was a good day. We were talking about how difficult it was. And I was like, you know, I feel so overwhelmed because my work was very stressful and I had to come home and I have to basically have like a part-time job of being the caretaker and maintaining the home and stuff like that. And I think that when he heard what I was telling him, he was very, very uh, accepting and he was just very understanding and he understood. So I think his approach to that right away was, well, what can I do to make this easier on you? So that's when we kind of split up things. I was like, you know, I feel overwhelmed because I have to pay the bills. And that's something that overwhelms me. So he's like, okay, I'll pay him through the phone. So he also took that responsibility. But he started taking in more stuff and making sure that the apartment was clean, that he communicated with me, that he also started getting his family members to kind of get involved. He started getting his dad to take him to doctor's appointments. And that kind of took away the caregiver position away from me. Obviously, my husband will communicate with me, but it was dad's role to do that. It allowed us to have a very... A relationship again. Yes. Now we were hanging out and we were watching TV and uh, we were eating and we we're like, hey, let's order Chinese and kind of making a date out of it. It changed the dynamic a lot by doing we that. We recreated our relationship. Time for a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk about how Carol and John plan for the future. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. By all accounts, John has already beaten the odds for this form of cancer. When he was first diagnosed, the doctors didn't think he would recover from the numerous emergency surgeries that he had to have. He was essentially cut open from his chest to below his belly button. 
His scar is nine inches long. But he made it through that. John and Carol recently moved out of San Antonio to a sweet, small house in a charming little town. John spends his days on the patio in the backyard or gardening when he has the energy. Carol still works full-time to pay their medical bills, which are a lot. What do you guys plan for? What can you plan for? I have this weird uh, pet peeve about uh, what she should do if she wakes up and I'm dead next to her. That kind of junk. That kind of logistical information. What do you want her to do? Well, you know, first and foremost, I've told her, you know, not to freak out. Just to call the coroner's office and or the police department and have me picked up and let my family deal with it because I've worked it out so that Carol doesn't have to deal with all that. My sisters are going to deal with all of that. Carol just needs to deal with her grief at that time. She's not going to have to do the mechanicals. It's weird because um, when we have family gatherings, all his family wants to, of course, spend time with my husband and they sit around and our conversations are not about like football or politics or something funny that happened on TV. It's sometimes we're talking about funeral arrangements and which church do we want to do it in? And, you know, they're all talking, okay, well, let me see if I can ask my pastor. And do you want it to be a military burial? Do you, And these are, we, we spend hours and this is kind of like our reality. Those are our conversations that we have in, in family gatherings now at Thanksgiving table or at Christmas. John, have you talked to Carol about what you want for her life after you pass away? I've told her that I'm perfectly okay with her obviously moving on and and having another family. She should be able to have that. So I kind of cleared the road for her. There's no there's no roadblocks. I'm not I'm not uh, the type of person that said you better not ever get married after me. But we've had that conversation yet. Carol, what do you want for your life? Do you think about that or do you not want to think about that? I mean, obviously I don't want to think about it, but it's scary because my friends always ask me, could you see yourself getting married again? And I'm like, no, I think I would be really scared because it's like this marriage hasn't been, you know, traditional. Right now I'm a little bit better. I'm still not strong, but I do have days where I go two or three days in a row where if you saw me, you might not think there was anything wrong with me. Now, my payback for that is it'll take me a week of recovering to enjoy those two or three days. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm just in bed. Uh, All I do is eat. And there's nothing that my wife can really do for me except just keep me hydrated and fed. And that's what that looks like. It's not a pretty sight. But it's better right now than at most other times because I can at least have you know, two or three days where I'm semi-normal. John, could you see yourself going through all this without Carol? I don't see how I could have made it this far without her. I don't even think I would have wanted to. I mean, she provides me a level of incentive to try and get up and do things. She carries a little emergency kit in her car for me, just in case we're out. She's got a pillow, she's got a blanket, she's got a bag that's got food, that's got drinks. Doesn't matter what happens out there. If I get sick, all we have to do is stop. And she's got a little house that she can set up in an instant for us to stop and take a couple of hours away from home 
but that's kind of how her life is. She's prepared that way. I don't think I could have made it this far without her. You guys have basically told the cancer, hey, leave us alone. We're going to love each other no matter what, in the best way that we know how, for as long as we have. What have you guys done to try to recapture your marriage? We can't control cancer. For my birthday, we weren't able to go out and do anything. Sometimes for our anniversaries, they had to be at home. But what we do is we try to do something special that we wouldn't do if we were just home if it was any other day. So we set up a candlelit dinner. We cook, we eat something. So we try to make sure that we are still celebrating stuff. Like for Halloween, you know, my husband um, loves Halloween, but sometimes he doesn't feel like he has enough energy to be able to go out to a party and stuff like that. So sometimes what we're doing now is we're hosting people in our house and we're a- allowing people to come in so that we can still spend time with people. We can still grow in our friendships. We can still spend time with family and not allow cancer to take that away from us. So Carol is the old soul in their relationship, but they're both old-fashioned in one way. They like to write each other these love letters. Back when we were first dating, she was my entire universe. She was my world, and I I let her know that through pen and paper. We're going to close out this episode with Carol and John reading you their favorites. Good morning, my love. You allow me to be the very best version of myself. The beautiful thing between us is what happens in between. Until I see you today, continue to sleep sweet. Hello, darling. I want you to know how happy you make me. Nothing makes me smile more than the thought of you. I also feel very safe when I'm with you. I don't think anyone else knows me like the way you do. I feel as we've known each other for a lifetime. Love, Carol. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Carol Alavedra and John Alvarez. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tyler Klang, with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Mangesh Hatikater, Will Pearson, and Christopher Hasiotis. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. If you would like to follow Carol and John's story, be sure to follow them on Instagram at Lone Star Latina. For comments, suggestions, or be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. You can grab a copy of Joe's new book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed with Joe Piazza has been a production of the House Stuff Works family, produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but next week is the final episode of season one of Committed. It's been a doozy, right? We've fallen in love and had our hearts broken. We've met couples who gave us such incredible hope and who may have helped us believe in love again. We'll be back in the beginning of 2019, but in the meantime, we're not abandoning you. We would never do that. We want to hang out with you all the time. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash committed pod, 
That's facebook.com slash committed pod. And make sure to join the group. The group is where all the fun stuff happens. It's a place you can tell us what you think of past episodes, suggest new episodes, and just talk to us and other committed fans about marriage, life, love, babies, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we'll keep giving you updates on all of our incredible couples from season one. And keep your emails and voicemails coming. We want to hear all of your stories as we get ready for season two. Our phone number is 404-996-1173, and you can reach me at joe at com. That's joe at com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've loved making this podcast. It's the most fun I've had in journalism in a decade, and I promise you season two is actually going to be even better than season one. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.